Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. So glad you guys are here. Happy post-Thanksgiving. Still in a turkey coma? How, how are you doing in that space? Lots of leftovers? Yes? No? Maybe? I still got, I got a fridge full. We made, we made three turkeys on Thanksgiving, guys, and we didn't even eat two of them. So if anybody needs a turkey, I got you. So glad you guys are here. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us on this snowy day. It's been a chilly weekend, yeah? Well done. You made it in the snow. Give yourselves a hand. That's a big deal. There's definitely some people. I got like a couple of messages, emails, texts. Hey, we're staying home in our jammies and watching it online. So a little bit of envy there, but so glad you made it to be in person today. Really excited today. We wrap up our series on the good book. It's our last week in this six-week series. You guys pumped about that? <laughs> yes, finally. <laughs> That's, I'm so excited. It's going to be great. A couple of quick announcements for you before we get into uh, today's message. Um, listen, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome here at City Church. Our mission is to help people find their way to God from where they are, and we do that by practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder. And so what that means for you is wherever you are on your spiritual journey, our desire is to meet you where you are, help you take some next steps, hopefully toward Jesus and at your own pace, all of that. So hopefully this place is, is um, a community where you, you can feel like family quite quickly, um, and also feel a lot of permission to ask the big questions and wrestle uh, with your faith journey and grow in your relationship with God and start to follow Jesus. Now, as I say that, some really cool things happening as we go into the month of December. Firstly, and actually lastly, because this is the last week you can do it, we have our Healthy Church Survey um, that you should have received in your email. If you haven't taken this already, it looks like about 50% of our church has filled it out so far. Uh, our staff team is going away for the week, and we're, this is the annual time where we pull away, listen to God together, uh, evaluate what, what's going really well at City Church, where we need to grow, focusing on what God has called us to, and, and making corrections and adjustments, and then listening to what's coming the next year. And so if you have not taken this survey yet, we would love for you to take some time. There's cards on the way out today if you can scan a QR code or whatever, but it would be super helpful. It takes like three minutes to take the survey. It's anonymous, 100% completely anonymous, minus the part where you put in your first and last name. That's a joke. It's not in there, okay? It's anonymous, like for real live anonymous. Like I took it, okay? And we have no idea. The, the results just pull fancy pie graphs and stuff for us to say, hey, how are we doing in these areas? And so even if you're new to City Church or you've taken it before last year, this helps us every year to say, hey, how are the things going? Even if you're like, man, I've, I've been coming around City Church, but I'm not deeply plugged in, it still helps us to know where you are. And so if you'll just kind of contribute to the overall stats, it really, really helps us. The second thing is we have our annual team Christmas party coming up. Let's go. So excited. So, um, we don't normally uh, announce this publicly because it's just for people that have joined the team, become a part of the family here at City Church, sign the team doc, they serve on the weekends. They're the ones that made your delicious coffee this morning, greeted you outside in the cold, cleaned the bathrooms before you got here, stuff like that. 
made all the sound work amazing and played the keyboard and used their throats to make good noises. You know, stuff like that, right? All of our amazing team members, the ones watching your kids currently and a thousand other different ways that people serve in amazing ways. Um, and so we, we like to celebrate our team in big ways and we, we just like to have fun. We think Jesus likes to party and so do we. So uh, we have our annual team Christmas party. If you're already on the team, then you should have already got the invite for this. It's coming up. It's awesome. It's a ton of fun. Um, and so we just need you to RSVP on that. If you have not joined the team, this is just like dangling, dangling the carrot in front of you, that, that when you join the team, you get this invitation. So look what you're missing out on. All I'm saying is there's this giant, like, team-wide, white elephant that happens every year, and there is this notorious can of tuna that comes back every year, just a heads up. And so it is the prized possession of the, it's kind of a joke. It's not really, no one really wants it, but it does keep coming back. So it's a lot of fun, but we, hey, we want to celebrate you big. And so if you can mark your calendars and respond to that message, if you got it already. Um, and now let's get into our message. Let's go back to the series, The Good Book. We are wrapping it up today. We've been six weeks in this series and it has been awesome, has it not? Yes, Maddie was uh, speaking last week and she crushed it, yeah? You get, man, it was so good, incredible message. And honestly, I was listening to her message, and I mean, her and I worked on it for a while, and then I was getting ready for today, and I'm like, I feel like Maddie pretty much said everything. We should have ended the series last week. <laughs> like, what do, I, what do I need to contribute after that? It was pretty solid. So today, I'm excited to, I think, tie some loose ends together that'll be really, really helpful for you, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey. But before we get there, I, I want to just come back to, I think, a big idea as we wrap up a series like this. We've been, we spent a lot of time as a church through the fall and into the winter around formation, who you're becoming. And, and you and I, we talk about this a lot, asking the question, who am I becoming, looking at the character arc of my life, not like... I can't look at Monday and really answer that question, but I can look at kind of the habits that make up my life, the people that surround me, the things that are influencing my worldview, and I can begin to track, hey, this is where my life is heading. And a lot of our formation happens accidentally, like it's just happening to us as we live life, especially when we get busy, we're running around like crazy, and life is happening to us. And so the question is, how do we intentionally become not just who we want to be, but as followers of Jesus, who he has created us to be. And we're always asking that question. And so we've had multiple series looking at the practices of Jesus that help form us. So we had an entire series dedicated to becoming people of prayer. And this has been, uh, a series been focused on relating to the Bible in the same way that Jesus relates to the Bible and letting it form us and shape us so that we can actually become the people that hopefully we want to become. But I was thinking about it this week, and I think a lot of life, and this is probably familiar for you, if you think about the arc of your life up to this point, a lot of your life and my life has, has been a series of invitations that we either say yes or no to. So you, just over and over again, right, your life has been made up of a series of invitations and sometimes interruptions that end up being invitations and sometimes they're forced on you, sometimes you stumble upon them, sometimes they're huge and, and just life-changing like a job or a move or getting married or we're going to go to college and other times it's like, what am I going to have for lunch? And life is a series of invitations, and we're really familiar with responding to that. And we have different personalities in the room, right? Some of you, like every invitation that comes up, you're there, right? How many of you go into like 20 Christmas parties this year? No, just me? Oh, well, hey, if you, I, got, I got room for another one. If you got another one going, that's awesome. Okay, I'm the only one in the room that says yes to every invitation. All of you are healthy and have limits. Well done. That's great. I was, I was speaking at a church in Dallas last week, and um, I was like getting this message ready, and it turned into this like just basically a, a whole message of confession. I'm like, hey, this message isn't really for you. God just like 
did some stuff in me, and I got to share it with you. And so apparently that's going to be today, too. So just buckle up. You get to, you know, hear about how Drake needs to be changed, and you'll feel better about yourself at the end. It's going to be great. All right, so this invitation to a journey, wherever you are, you have a series of those things. And, and have you ever looked at an invitation or had something in front of you, and it's been pretty, pretty big, or, or, or there's like uncertainty around it to where you're like, you're not sure if you should say yes or not. You ever had those moments? And, and, and maybe you, you can look back and you said yes to something, and by default it also meant no to something else. And you, you ever wondered like what the other path would have been? Um, we, we have lots of those moments as well. Have you ever missed out on something you should have said yes to? Like, like you look back and you're like, that was my moment, and I missed it. Someone offered me a Taylor Swift ticket, and I didn't take it, and now I'm regretting it. Not really, that hasn't happened to me. But if you have one, I know someone looking. So... Um, we have all these invitations that we wrestle with. And, and so there's this unique dynamic of the human condition where we're really familiar with invitations and even responding to weighty ones. Um, but then sometimes we can also totally be blind to what, what, like, what the weight of what's right in front of us. And so today I want to look at the invitation from Jesus that you might be familiar with. And if you're new to following Jesus or kind of wrestling with faith in general, then this will be helpful for you. And then this will lead us into our time of talking, uh, wrapping up the series. Now let's go to Luke chapter 9. This is just one of many versions of Jesus' invitation to, to not just his immediate context to people around him, but to you and me. This is Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25. And again, this is one version of this happening over and over again. This is a very familiar invitation from Jesus. So Jesus said to them all. So all, like everyone around. So this is not exclusive. It's not for a few trained elite or some super religious people. Jesus is actually continually inviting people that other people assume should not be invited on this journey. So Jesus is in this moment looking at everyone around him, and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple— so, so this is incredible. It's an invitation. It's not being forced. It's not being shoved down anyone's throat. It, he actually is communicating from a place of desire. What do you want this morning? Black Friday, Cyber Monday. By the way, can we just talk for a minute? Has Black Friday and Cyber Monday kind of become an o- underwhelming thing? Do you remember when people used to get trampled at the doors of, of, of like stores? I saw a video this week where like, you know, they came to open the door and like one dude walked into Best Buy. <laughs> You're like, wah, wah. Like, it's, and then also I was, I was thinking, did you notice that Black Friday lasted all week? Did anybody else notice that? I'm just, I'm just confused on, is it Black Week now? Is it, and then Cyber Monday lasted on Saturday. I'm just a little confused. Uh, marketing is killing me, but it's working. Bought all my Christmas presents. Anyway, whoever wants to be my disciple. So what do you want? It's kind of interesting. Jesus is speaking to, toward our desire here. And if, we're, if we just took an honest poll in the room today, I think I, we, we have a mixed bag of desires in the room, will we not? Like this probably, man, some of you are like, uh, we're in the room and like there's a genuine desire to follow Jesus. Others of us, like others' desires are competing for that. And some, like that might not even be on the table. I've got other desires taking precedence. What do you want? So Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, as in it's got to be volitional, something you want, you must, and by the way, that the word disciple can be translated apprentice, follower, we'll talk about that, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And the image that would have been uh, in, in everyone's mind in this moment, take up your cross daily, everyone's very familiar with crucifixion and this terrible way to die by the Roman government. So it's just kind of weird, like, hey, what do you want? You want to follow me? Yeah, and, and rather than pitching it in a really good light, Jesus says, well, hey, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross, die daily to yourself, and follow me. Yeah, that sounds good. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, that sounds great. So verse 24, whoever wants, and this is interesting. Here's Jesus' logic. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. 
Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? It's kind of interesting. Jesus seems to be assuming that there is a fullness of life to be gained by following him. Would you, would you agree with that? I mean, it's kind of his pitch, right? He's like, hey, what you're really looking for is found in me. Although it, it's like up against this tension of your, your version and my version of the good life, he seems to be assuming that there is a fullness of life found in following him that cannot be attained anywhere else in life. I mean, you guys hear that in Jesus' language? He seems to think that what he has for offer on the table is better than anything you and I could possibly dream up and get our hands on. He says, it's so good, it's worth losing everything for. Can you get your heart and mind there with me this morning? I mean, think about all the competing desires of your life, relationships and career and and self-worth and stuff and experiences, all the mixed bag of things that we're constantly pulling at our attention. And Jesus says, hey, listen, I've got something worth losing everything for. It's really interesting. And he doesn't, he doesn't blink an eye at it. He just puts it out there. Hey, if, if you want this, it's available to you. And so what's interesting is, is the invitation is, hey, do we believe that what Jesus is offering is actually true? That's really what we're after. It's like, is it really the good life? Is it re- can it really be? So, so think about how many of you guys like The Hobbit? Yes? All right, good. Hey, that's good. Okay. Um, so we had some friends from New Zealand in town, joined us for Thanksgiving, and I was asking, yeah, woo! Uh, and, and I was asking them, like, hey, do you ever get annoyed with, like, um, you know, the, the fanfare that comes from, like, Americans and The Hobbit, and, oh, I want to go see Hobbitville, I want to go stay in a Hobbit hole, all that stuff. And they're like, yeah, it's kind of a weird American thing. No one else around the world seems to care as much. And I'm like, oh, okay. So thank you for uh, affirming for me that I'm not the only one. That makes me feel a little better. All right, so you remember in The Hobbit when Gandalf shows up, like round one uh, uh, in the movie specifically, and he like shows up with, with Bilbo, and, and he kind of interrupts his comfortable life with an invitation to a journey. Do you guys remember that? And it's like this, it, it's kind of like this weird interruption, and Gandalf's doing his cool wizardy thing, and then they're in his home uninvited, and, and they're inviting him onto this journey. And over and over again, at first he's just like totally disrupted by it, but then he's intrigued, right? And we got some really interesting, like, okay, what's on the table might be worth it, but then, do you remember when they pull out the contract that he has to sign? And then they start going through it, they're like, oh yeah, um, you know, you, you got to wave, you know, you might be burned, you know, to death by a dragon, you know, melt the flesh off your bones, or hey, there's, you know, risk of dismemberment, and he just like passes out and falls on the floor. Do you guys remember that? And so there's this moment of like, he's being invited into a journey, and, and his initial reaction is, no, absolutely not, get out of my house, and then he passes out. And then after everyone leaves, He's sitting in his home. And do you remember like that uncomfortable moment that he's wrestling with? He's like looking at the paper and trying to figure out like he's evaluating the cost of the invitation. And then what happens? After a while of wrestling and uh, while they're already on the road, he run. I love the iconic scene, right? He runs out of his house with the paper in hand, jumping over the things. And, and they're like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going on an adventure, right? And, and there's this amazing moment of transformation where Bilbo counts the cost of the invitation with a lot. I mean, I mean there's some serious costs away. It's not like they were hiding that. But then there's something about this invitation to a journey that he realizes he doesn't want to miss out on. My hope is 
And you can laugh at my cheesy examples all you want. But my hope is that we'd all go running out the door today after Jesus saying, I'm going on an adventure. That we would look at the invitation, count the cost seriously, right? Like Jesus is not mincing words here. He's not trying to make light of it. It's not like trust in Jesus and all your dreams come true. It's not a Disney movie by, by any stretch of the imagination. But... In the same way that after counting the cost, like, man, there's something I'm being invited into that I don't want to mess out on. That is the same invitation to a journey, if you will, that Jesus is inviting us on. But, but it doesn't end you know, in the magical Hollywood version. And so, so let's be honest for a moment. When you read these words, what, what comes to mind? Like but this invitation from Jesus, what comes to mind for you? I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, and so I, 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 this could be a lot of different things. When we evaluate, hey, what does it mean to follow Jesus? The problem is one of the versions that is very popular in the West in particular is that like the Western pinnacle of spiritual formation, like the best version of this journey is like come to church on Sundays, read the Bible, tithe a little bit of money, and like don't kill anybody. Like that's the best version of following Jesus. And that's a little bit underwhelming. Can we be honest? Like, like but, but, but seriously, how many people do you know that that's like the pinnacle of following Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Just kind of do a few things, you know, like go to church and read the Bible a little bit. And, but it really it doesn't have any bearing on anything else. And it's not really exciting. It's not really life-giving. It's not, I mean, nothing else is really changing. It just kind of makes you feel a little better in the process. It's kind of interesting, right? But that's not at all what we see from the authors of Scripture nor Jesus when it comes to spiritual formation. And by the way, we're not down on any of those practices, right? Reading the Bible, going to church, I'm, I'm for all of them. I do all of them regularly. But have you noticed that there's a lot of people that do some of, some of just the routine spiritual practices, and then they don't feel all that transformed? Have you ever noticed that? Have you experienced that yourself? Where you kind of do some things, you know, you go to church, read the Bible, whatever, pray a little bit, and then you're just not, you don't feel all that transformed? You don't feel like you're all in on this journey? You see, none of us are accidentally transformed, and one of the dangers in the West is, is it can become things that we do or information that we absorb, and we miss out totally on the experience of transformation. And so you and I don't just wake up on Monday because we went to church and oh, I'm just not anxious anymore. It's totally gone. Or we just wake up and, oh, hey, I'm not greedy anymore. And I, all of a sudden, I'm just like really generous, and you know what? I don't really want anything for Christmas, and I'm just going to give all my stuff to the poor. Like, you know, there's this transformation that doesn't just happen by osmosis, and it's kind of frustrating, isn't it? Like, I remember, like, falling asleep many times on my history books in class in high school, and, like, I'd wake up, and osmosis did not serve me well. I didn't, I didn't get any information from falling asleep on that book. I drooled on it a little bit, but that's all that happened. I contributed, but I didn't give anything back. That's kind of funny. A little bit gross? Okay, it's all right. All right, so the invitation from Jesus is not I don't want us to miss it today. The invitation from Jesus on a journey is not to simply rearrange the mental landscape of your mind, rearrange the furniture a little bit, change your set of beliefs, and then carry kind of these, these kind of low-hum, boring habits, go to heaven when you die, and then try to be nice when you're alive. That's not the invitation from Jesus. The invitation from Jesus is to be a disciple, to be an apprentice under him, that Jesus is not just a savior. He is that, and it's incredible, but he's also a rabbi. It could be argued that he's, he's the most brilliant mind, the mind of God in the flesh on display. He's the most built, brilliant mind to ever have walked the planet. And so he's not just inviting to save your soul. He's inviting you into a way of life. 
He doesn't want to, we're not invited just to trust, trust him with our eternal life, but he's inviting us to adopt a way of life. That's where the journey comes in. And, and friends, listen, in the West, this is so hard at times because we are so good at separating what we believe from what we do. <laughs> and it's a uniquely like American issue. Like other parts of the world, that's not so much the case, but we, we can like believe things and do the opposite. You, you know that, right? Like you can know that Taco Bell's bad for you and still, and still make a Taco Bell run, right? And you're like, Jesus bless this food <laughs> to the nourishment of my, right? And so what does it mean to follow Jesus? Here's what it means. Listen, uh, um, and we do this a lot. Following Jesus looks like organizing our lives around three simple things. You probably know it. You guys remember? Number one, being with Jesus. Number two, becoming like Jesus. Number three, doing what he did. This is what it means to follow Jesus. The invitation from Jesus is not intellectual formation only. It absolutely includes our mind, but it's got to get into our heart and our hands, and so it's an invitation to first be with Jesus. It starts with a relationship. He forms us to become like Jesus, and then we become the kind of people that do what Jesus did. Specifically, we ask the question, what would Jesus do if he were me? If he had my stage of life, my job, lived where I did, my family, or my singleness, or all of the skills and personalities, what would Jesus do if he were you? And and not to flip it, right? We always kind of warn ourselves. We don't want to ask, what would I do if I were Jesus? That that one, maybe not. Um, But what would Jesus do if he were me? And so why why are we doing this? We've got to start. The invitation to a journey is there. It's in front of you. Um, And I'm not saying it's always like highlight real hobbit version reality of following Jesus. But I do think Jesus seems to assume that there is life to be found in relationship with him and following him that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Would you agree? Okay, so the, then the invitation for you and I is let's discover that together. Let's not let up, let's not settle for like the American dream version of what it means to follow Jesus. Let's step into this journey. So how do we do that? How do we do that? There's lots of different ways that we do that. And we spend, we spend a lot of time as a church doing all those different versions. Christmas season, hello. Mariah Carey has officially defrosted. It is that time of year, and I'm excited about it. Christmas tree is up. Lots of fun Christmassy things happening. And next week, we start a brand new series uh, called, called, over the season of Advent. And we're going to let this season, the next four weeks, shape us. So, so we're going to step into practices. Like, how do we become more like Jesus? Well, there's intentional ways to do that. But... Over the last six weeks, one of the ways is the role that the Bible plays in our following of Jesus. Now, Maddie did a great job last week of helping us understand that the Bible is a map to Jesus and the good life. So so we we don't want to miss the invitation that one of the formational pieces of following Jesus, it includes the Bible, but the Bible serves as a map. So if we're on a journey and we're going on an adventure, you need a map. Guess what? You have one. Isn't that good news? Right. So, so listen, some of us are like, oh, seriously, the Bible's the adventure. Like all of that just to tell us that the Bible's the adventure. Like what a letdown. I feel you. Listen, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Jesus is the adventure. Jesus is the adventure worth losing everything for. The Bible is your map, your roadmap, if you will, to know Jesus and be with Jesus and become like Jesus. And not only, we're going to talk about that, it's one of the many pieces that help us on this journey. You guys tracking with me? Okay, so if the Bible is a map that helps us on this journey of formation, it's also one of the primary ways that we hear from God. And so today we don't have the time, over the last six weeks we've done a ton of work to help you in this, so 
podcast, YouTube channel, all that. You can go back and pick it up. Maddie did a great job last week, but let me give you the scope of the series, and then we're going to get into a simple story today. So as we wrap up our series, we're asking a couple of questions. Number one, uh, we, we, we asked, why the Bible? And we, and we said uh, in the beginning, we, 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 we can trust the Bible because we can trust in Jesus. Jesus' approach and his understanding of the Bible is how it informed. We're, we're Bible people because we're Jesus people, not the other way around. So it's really important. You can go check that out. Number two, week two, we said, what is the Bible? We said the Bible is a library of writings. It's not a book, not cover to cover. It's a library of writings that are both divine and human that together tell us a unified story that leads us to Jesus. That was week two. Week three, we said, where did the Bible come from? And we said, we know where the scriptures come from, came from and that they're all about Jesus. We spent a lot of time that day walking through the confidence that we can have in the scriptures. Number uh, four was, how is the Bible authoritative for Jesus followers? Right? It's this weird, like, allergic reaction word that we have, and so, like, how, how is it that the Bible serves as a, not only a map, but it's authoritative? We said, if Jesus trusts in scripture as an act of trust in God, then, we, and, and we trust in Jesus, then the conclusion is we can trust in scripture as an act of trust in God. You feel it? You're like, yeah, sure, okay, good, good. I'm glad, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm and, then, and then last week, Maddie taught us, like, hey, what is the Bible for? What is it for? And, and uh, she said, the Bible teaches us who God is, who we are, who we are to one another, and it shapes us to become more like Jesus. So that's been the scope of this series. There's the Spark Notes version. You guys feel good about it? There you go. That's awesome, even when you weren't here. So today, we're, we're wrestling with the last question. How do we read it? Because <laughs> we spent six, five weeks talking about it. We didn't give you like much, much of, a, of a helpful handle when it comes to how do you read this, this library of writings of ancient literature and different genres and authors and all of that. So today, we're going to wrestle very simply with that. And listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to invite you into the journey with Jesus, and the scriptures are a great starting place for that. So let's go to Luke 24 today. This is a really funny story. I just want to give you a picture of, of what Jesus does here in Luke 24. Okay, this is post-resurrection, so Jesus has uh, already been crucified. He was buried. Three days later, he has risen from the grave. There are rumors around. A couple of people have seen him that, at this point, and now we're interacting. Luke captures a story. The, the, that very day, post-resurrection, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're leaving Jerusalem, heading to Emmaus, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened concerning Jesus and his wrongful trial and, and his murder and his resurrection, all, of, all that stuff. And, uh, and so while they're talking and discussing together, Jesus himself draws near and he goes with them. This is so interesting. So this is Jesus resurrected from the grave. Luke says, hey, Jesus shows up. He draws near to them and starts walking with them. And their eyes were kept from recognizing him. It's a really interesting moment. So these guys are walking and, and seven miles, let's just say it takes like roughly three hours to walk seven miles. So they're on a three-hour three journey walking kind of in a, most people are still disillusioned. Like rumors that Jesus is alive, but, but not everyone is convinced at this point, including many of his closest followers. So Jesus shows up and then watch what happens next. And Jesus says to them, hey, what, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And then one of them, uh, one of them named, named Cleopas answered him, are, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And then Jesus says to them, what things? <laughs> What's up? They're like, no, tell me. You know, it, it's so interesting. Like, they don't know it's Jesus. They don't recognize him. And then they say, yeah, all the things concerning Jesus. And then, and then uh, Luke goes on, and they kind of describe all of that. And then watch what happens. Jesus responds to them after they tell him, here's, here's what's happened in Jerusalem. Oh, foolish ones. 
And check this out. Of slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And the prophets would have been shorthand for the Old Testament scriptures or a section of them. Was it, was, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, that's again shorthand for the Old Testament scriptures that you have in front of you. Look what Jesus does. He interprets to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Isn't, isn't that interesting? Jesus shows up resurrected from the grave. I love the posture. He draws near to them. Listen, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but I love that the posture of Jesus is he wants to draw near to us, okay? So we don't want to miss that moment, that it's relational. But also, it's kind of playful, this moment of Jesus with them, and he's like helping them discover, and it, I mean, it's kind of, kind of a little weird. You're like, man, why, why wouldn't you? And then they're on a three-hour walk with Jesus, they do a three-hour Bible study with Jesus. Isn't that, like, kooky? Like, is that, like, the most non-exciting thing ever? Can you, like, wow. For three hours, Jesus walks with them to Emmaus, and, and he interprets all the scriptures and shows them how it's about himself. Now, again, they don't know it's him, so they're like, wow, this is amazing. Can you imagine a three-hour Bible study with Jesus? Is this how you want, like, is this what you're really looking for? Like, if, if Jesus were to show up to you, is this the version that you were looking for? Wouldn't it be nice if just a voice from God would be like, hey, do this, do that? No, Jesus goes into Bible study with these guys. And I'm like, wow, that is not, it's not really what I would imagine is the most helpful version, but that's Jesus' approach here. It's so amazing to me. Now, now watch what happens at the end. They, they invite him into the home once they get there. They're sharing a meal. And as Jesus breaks bread, it says their eyes were opened, and they recognized him in this moment. So after that whole time, in this moment, as Jesus is breaking bread, they recognize him, and then he vanished from their sight. <laughs> you're like, what in the world? Like, pew, see you later. Like, just in the, and you're like, okay, whatever. So you don't make this stuff up if you're trying to make your story believable. That's my point, okay? So Luke is just giving you the facts. And they said to each other, listen to this, I love this. Did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. Didn't our hearts burn within us? So, so this is, you, uh, well, what's his name? Pete Gregg says it this way. Um, he, he talks, well, here's what he says. He says, by, by training ourselves to hear God's voice where it is easiest, we gradually learn to hear his voice everywhere else as well. And so it's amazing that Jesus would start with the priority of Scripture in this story. And I just want you to notice, like Luke capturing, talking about the Scriptures, Jesus using it as confidence, pointing to the truth and reality of the human condition and what it means to go on this journey. It's just, it's just hey, there's validity in the Scriptures, which is helpful. And what Pete Gregg, I think, points out really helpful is that our, when he says our, heart, our hearts burned within us, he writes this beautiful book that Maddie talked about last week where he talks about how we can hear God not only through his, his word or the scriptures, but also, also through his whisper. So he likes that alliteration. So we can hear God's voice through his word and through his whisper. And, and I, I love that God can speak to us in multiple ways. We can read the scriptures and he speaks to us. He can speak to you through somebody else. He can speak to you through circumstances. I was talking to a friend last week and God spoke to them while they were at their work and they had this incredible God moment. It was so massively for them that it changed their life. And, and I mean, so you have these moments where, where God whispers to you, that's great. But I, I love how Pete Gregg says, hey, if we'll learn, if we'll train ourselves to hear God's voice where it is easiest in the scriptures in front of you, then we, as we become familiar with that voice, we learn to hear his voice everywhere else as well. I love that. Eugene Peterson says it this way. Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture, which is, not only the West kind of approach to it, we assimilate it. 
We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration to the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. Isn't that good? Right? So, so what, what was his point? We don't read this, this like flat, non-helpful book out of discipline and duty and it's just something you're supposed to do. No, it transforms us. And as we, uh, kind of this idea of like, as we eat it, as, as we, in, in the same way that you and I eat food, we feast on Jesus and the scriptures, and it changes us. And it changes the way that we love, and the way that we live, and the way that we look at one another, the way that we understand ourselves, the way we relate to God. So the goal today is that we can move the, the posture of scriptures from discipline to delight. Now, I can't do that for you. Every discipline can become a delight, but most every discipline starts feeling kind of clunky and like a discipline, does it not? If, if you, Maddie likes to run, I hate running. I'd only run if there's a bear chasing me. So like running's not my jam, but, but I, I like to go to the gym. I like the routine of it. And so five days a week, I'm at the gym and it is life-giving. It wasn't always that way, but for me, the space of going to the, routine, uh, the gym routinely and, and letting that discipline form me, it shapes me. It helps my mental health and my emotional health and my physical health. All of those things, there's a benefit to it. But going to the gym, it didn't just one day become easy. It became a habit, but it's still just as hard, and, and leg day still sucks every time. Why? Does it always suck? Doesn't it ever get better? No, it doesn't. And so you have these interesting places of like a discipline doesn't necessarily get easy, but it becomes something you, you long for. So you know what? I'm in a place where, where working out is still going to be a challenge. There's going to be soreness that follows. All of that stuff is true every day, but if I miss a day, I long for it. I feel like I missed something. The goal would be that in the same way the scriptures could become a habit. And again, not, not reading the Bible. The adventure is Jesus. So the goal is I, I, I'm spending time with Jesus through the, the, the practice of reading scripture. And it becomes such a habit and a delight that when I miss it, I long for it. That's the posture we're after. So today, very simple tool for you. How do we read the Bible well? And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is helpful for you. How do you read the Bible well? So I'm going to introduce a very simple tool for you today. And that tool is called Lectio Divina. How many of you have heard of this? A little bit of Latin today. Cool, very cool. All right, so this is a very simple uh, practice that's been uh, used throughout church history. And actually, we, you probably already do it, you just don't know it. But I want to give you the space of like, how do we read the scriptures well? Anyone can read the scriptures well. And there's a big difference between Bible study and like reading the scriptures and spending time with Jesus. So we're going to talk about that. But Lectio Divina literally means sacred reading. It's, and it's a process of how we read the scriptures to get something out of it. Have you ever read the scriptures and it just like was the most unhelpful thing ever? You like open it up and you're like, what the heck? How is that? What, what do I do with that? So first of all, let me encourage you. We talked about it the last couple of weeks. If you've never really got into the scriptures, I, I wouldn't start in Genesis, okay? Don't, it's not a book. It's a library of writing. So don't open it to page one and read left to right. That's not really a good start. I would encourage you to interpret all of the Old Testament with the New Testament. So you start with Jesus. So start with John in the New Testament. Read all the way to the right, kind of like at a slow pace, a chapter a day. And then you can interpret all of the Old Testament in light of Jesus. It's really helpful that way. But a, a very simple rhythm of starting with Jesus, one of the stories, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, that's where I would start. That's a really good place to start. Now, Lectio Divina literally means sacred writing. And again, it's, it's, it's how, do we, how do we move past information to transformation? How do we get it from our heads to our hearts? And, and the goal is not just flat reading of the Bible, but conversation with God 
rather than just receiving information about him. That's what we're after, it's relationship. And some of you, listen, you're evaluating Jesus' invitation. Hey, if you want to be my disciple, follow me. This is one of the access points into life with Jesus. It's not the only one. This is not the only way that we're formed, but it is a massive part of not only how God speaks to us, but how we're formed. So here's uh, the five-step process. Number one, silencio. Shut up. <laughs> be, be quiet. Literally, all right, so when you approach the scriptures, it starts here, silencio. Be quiet. Be still. Be present. How many of you ever tried to, like, I mean, honestly, read anything, do anything while you're distracted and busy? You're, like, you're trying to write an email and do 15 other things and whatever. How many of you are trying to, like, squeeze in some Bible reading while you're on the way out the door because you woke up late and you're in a hurry and you're like, ah, I read a verse. Yes, and it, you know, you got a gold star for yourself, but, like, did it help you at all? Were you transformed at all? Like, right, so, so, being still is a big part, being present. So if you and I come to the scriptures distracted, which is so easy to do, it, it's kind of silly, and, and, and we do this anyway, but it's silly to think that the Bible is going to magic away my distraction, isn't it? Like, oh, because this is open in front of me now, and I'm going to hurry through it, I'm, I'm going to actually focus, and I'm going to be present. It's just going to, all my distractions are going to go away, and I'm going to be right here. If, if I hurry into it, I probably won't be present to it at all. And that's true not only with the scriptures, it's true with anything we do in life. It's true of conversations that you have with someone important to you. And so the first one is silencio. It's just the way that we slow down to be with Jesus. So we, normally we say, if you're going to start reading the Bible, you need 15 minutes a day. If you carve out 15 minutes a day, starting place, not ending line, that will really help you. And here's why. You need five minutes just to stop. It takes you five minutes to slow down, does it not? <sighs> Like one, like one of my favorite breath prayers, serious talking to me, one of my favorite breath prayers is, God, I'm here, and God, you're here. And sometimes it takes five minutes, just God, I'm here, and God, you're here. God, I'm here. God, you're here. And sometimes I gotta do that for five minutes straight because the whole time I'm saying that, I'm thinking about other things. <laughs> like, make it stop. God, I'm here, God, I'm here. And I'm just trying to be present. Listen, one of the, the kind of clear, I hope it's, it's probably assumed, but we've got to say it. Like, I love, I love the YouVersion Bible app, which, by the way, if you don't have it, it's a free Bible app for your phone. It's a great tool, lots of different translations. It's incredible. The YouVersion Bible app is a great tool, but it's also really dangerous <laughs> because reading the Bible on your phone gives you access to a bajillion distractions simultaneously. The cool thing is your phone has this cool feature where you can like turn it on to focus mode or reading mode or whatever and silence everything. So, so I would encourage, I'm not saying don't use your, your phone to read the Bible because if you're reading it all, well done. That's huge. So this is not a knock on that. But I mean, just acknowledge like, like <laughs> I'm here, you're here. Bing, and Danielle's here. How's it going? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, like you know that you've got to silence the distractions or like that Instagram like that you got or that notification of the Black Friday deal that's it's here and it's almost out and there's only 15 left. You gotta stop it. You gotta shh. So silencio might not only be for you, it might be for that terrorist in your pocket, right? Like so we gotta remove distractions. And I, don't, I know that sounds silly, but guys, seriously, how hard is it to do that? I, I mean, I, I would argue that one of the biggest competitors for my, my quality time with God for me is distraction that I forgot to turn my phone off, or I, you know, like I roll in really distracted and I don't give it the space. Starting well is important. The second one is lectio. It literally means to read slowly. So again, if you're starting in John, it, it, it means the first reading. And so this is more reading with your head than your heart the first time. It's just kind of reading what's in front of you and understanding the context. Listen, this is not Bible study. This is not pull out all the commentaries and know the Greek and all of that scope. No, this is, this is just a small, like I would argue no more than a chapter. Like I don't know your rhythms, okay? So I'm just trying to help you. 
But when you read the Bible, no more than a chapter at a time, and sometimes less than that. Like I was in Galatians this week, and Paul's got like 15 bajillion points in one chapter, and, and like, again, those chapters and verses didn't exist when it was originally written. This was a letter. And so, so give yourself the permission, like maybe read a chunk or a text. And, and the Bible tries, like some Bibles try to be helpful and they give a heading to a title and they'll give you, you know, three paragraphs. Like, that's fine. Like, just again, read it slowly. And if you can read half and get the context, then cool. Read it the first time. That's, that's Lectio. And, and uh, I heard John Mark Homer say it this way. He says, when, when you read it the first time, you're looking for something that shimmers. So when you read it, like just, just read it slowly. And what stands out to you? A word or a phrase, like, like just read it slowly and look for what shimmers. And you're just asking God, what does this mean? And the, the, the third one is meditatio. And that means to reflect. And so this is what, what, what is the second reading. You're going to read it again, and you're going to read it slowly. And you're going to meditate on the things that jumped out at you. And so uh, earlier this week, I'll give you an example. I was reading Galatians chapter, I think it was three, four, five, one, one of those. Um, I read them all. But I, one of them I was reading, and um, Paul said, for freedom... Jesus set you free. And there's a big, there's a lot of context going on, but for freedom, Jesus set you free. And over and over again, that kept coming up in my mind. For freedom, Jesus set you free. Why did Jesus set you free for freedom? Really? Sounded kind of redundant. For freedom, Jesus, and over and over again, I sat in it, I sat in it. And, and then I started to ask the question, well, am I, am I living like that? Jesus set me free so I could be free. <laughs> I'm like, huh. It's pretty profound. And so I, I just sat in it over and over again. And listen, you can read the same thing and maybe God's speaking to you about something different. That, that's, that's the idea. Listen, meditation sometimes gets a bad rap because it's like Eastern meditation and, and, and we think like, oh, it's this Buddhist version. No, listen, Eastern meditation is about emptying yourself and kind of looking within your, you know, you go to a yoga studio and it's like everything you need is inside yourself, which is not, that's BS and not whatever. So uh, you know, don't look in there. It's, it's scary, right? Like um, it's a joke. You should do some good reflection, but right, the answer is not in yourself. Biblical meditation, Hebrew meditation, is when we, we, we don't empty ourselves, we fill our minds with God's thoughts and God's words. And so it's not an emptying of, of, of everything to, to myself, it's a replacing everything inside of me with God's thoughts. And so meditation is cyclical, not linear. You, you and I went to school for information, and so you were taught to read a book, digest it, and, then, and answer a test, and then, yeah, well to go. And so sometimes you just have a, a habit of going to the Bible, and reading it left to right, and information, check. And that's, that's fine for information, but it's not helpful for transformation. So meditation, it's cyclical, it's chewing on it, if you will. And we're asking the question, what does this mean? So I'm looking for what shimmers, I'm asking God, what are you speaking to me about here? And again, I'm just acknowledging what stands out. God, what are, what are you trying to say to me here? Um, and then the, the fourth one is oratio, which means to ask. Literally, this is when you move into prayerful conversation with God. So, so I'm sitting in there wrestling with, for freedom, Jesus set you free. And so then I start to talk to God about freedom in my life and freedom from addiction and freedom from, from different things. And I start to pray to God for freedom for other people in my life. And, 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 I, and I start to move it into a conversation, talking to God. And, and it can be all kinds of different responses, worship and intercession and, and repentance and whatever, right? So, so it's just a very simple process of reading the scriptures, I'm meditating on them. I'm kind of, I'm just slowing down, letting God speak, and then it kind of naturally turns into conversation with God as a result of what he's speaking to me about. Does this make sense to you guys? It's not that complicated. And then the last one is contemplatio, which is where we get the word contemplate, but it doesn't mean that. Um, this is where um, Pete Gregg says that we move from wrestling to resting. On the front half, we're wrestling with God. I, I like that picture of kind of here with God to here, and it's, it's expectation that God's going to speak. 
But then I'm moving from wrestling to resting, and this is when I sit in the things that God has said and I absorb. I just kind of rest in that space with him. And so as, as I, I give you this tool, not because I need you to memorize Latin and then you know, do this version every time. Here's the goal, that you and I understand that when we approach scriptures, there is a process that will help us hear from God. And as we hear from God in the scriptures, we will learn to hear God's voice throughout our day as well. That's, are you guys tracking with me in that? So this is not Bible study. This is not, let's parse all of the nuances and get more information. This is very simply, kind of subjectively, coming to the scriptures and letting God speak. It's really, really good. Um, so here's, here's uh, the, the short version in case you didn't like all the, the Latin, okay? So number one, shut up. Just stop it. Be quiet. Number two, read it. Number three, read it again. Number four, talk to God about it. And then number five, sit in it. Is that easier? Is that better? You feel better about that? I did. I was like, woo, all right, I can do that. You know what's really cool is we have this tool for you when you leave today. We gave it out last week as well. It's called the SOAP tool, S-O-A-P. It's an acronym. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And that tool is built around Lectio Divina. So when you use that acronym, you grab a journal, you do S, I can show you my, my journal sitting right there. I can show you this week, S-O-A-P. Every day, me and Jesus sitting down in Scripture. I, I look for what shimmers. I read a passage. I write down the things that shimmer. Observation. What does it mean? God, what are you, what are you saying here? What's going on in the, in the context of the passage? Application. God, what do you want me to do with this? I'm letting him speak, and I'm talking to him. And then prayer is not only prayer for me, prayer for others. And then S, S-O-P-S, soaps, is God, who do you want me to share this with? So literally, our soaps tool that we, we use all the time here is built off of the platform of Lectio Divina. And it's so, it's just to equip you to sit down and hear from God. And some of you, you're struggling, like, I, I, don't, I don't hear from God. And I'm encouraging you, listen, open the scriptures and let him speak to you. It's not the only way that he speaks, but it's an incredible first start. You say, why would I do any of this? This is, uh, let's end with this. Um, again, if we're going to move from discipline to delight. Andy Stanley says it this way. The more I can see as God sees, the more I will do as God says. Or the, the more that I can see as God sees, the more likely I will do as God says. Why, right? When I, when I begin to allow the worldview of Jesus to get into my head and my heart, it starts to affect my hands. When I begin to understand, the more I can see as God sees, the more likely I will do as God says. And so the invitation is to let the scriptures form my mind and my heart, the way I think about myself, the way I think about you and my neighbors and my enemies, the way I think about my relationship to God. You can let Instagram influence those things, and you can let the way you grew up influence those things. You can let the culture around you influence those things. And the, the simple questions I have is, how is that going for you? You are being formed. But Jesus invites us on a journey to be intentionally formed. This is not obligation. This is invitation. It's not work. And, and it might feel clunky, and it does start as discipline, but the end is delight. It's delight. This is a passage in Jeremiah that says, Je Jeremiah is receiving a word from God, and he says, I received your words, and I ate them, and they were sweet as honey to my mouth. You want to hear something funny? When Danielle and I got married, um, um, they made you know her cake and, and my like groom cake, and and uh, someone made me a Bible, like a cake that looked like a Bible, and they wrote the words, "Your words were sweet, and I ate them." <laughs> Isn't that funny? You can judge me all you want, but I thought it was hilarious. So that's the idea, right? Is that you're not in invited to 
a Bible study session with Jesus, you're invited to a feast to let it form you, to shape your heart and your mind so you become more like Jesus. So, a couple of quick next steps and then Daniel's gonna come. As we press into practice this week, I wanna encourage you, read the scriptures daily. Six weeks, we've been saying that. Hopefully it's an encouragement. Hopefully it's not obligation. Hopefully it's invitation. Hopefully it's, I'm going on an adventure. And hopefully there's a priority that elevates in our heart. Like, I really want to hear from God. I really want that worldview. I want to understand. I even want to wrestle with the things that I don't agree with. I want to get in there and I want to understand. Get the tools that you need. Again, a Bible to get, the Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you are our gift to you. You're welcome to take those. YouVersion Bible app is a great app. Just use it wisely and silence your phone while you're using it. Tons, honestly, there's tons of, there's like free plans in there and lots of good translations, all of that stuff. Grab the journals that are in the lobby for you. Those journals are there for you. There's something about pen and paper, not just like with your head, but, but beginning to actually journal, whether it's, I mean, people do it on their phone or on, on paper, whatever it is for you, to actually do the SOAP process I have, I have one coach that they do it in their phone in their notes app, and then every time they do it, they copy and paste their entire SOAPS, and then they, they text it to a few people. It's kind of cool. So I'm like, hey, that's convenient. Um, so whatever your version is, like find the tools that work for you. On the back side of the SOAP tool that you're getting today, it's got very clear instructions for you, so you don't have to guess at it. But on the back side is a, is a fill in the blank, like how to create a God time plan. And so spending time with God daily is not going to happen by accident. You know that. Most people, most of you in the room are like fighting for that space and it's just a struggle. And, and listen, it's no, it should not be a surprise to anyone in the room that one of the most difficult practices of the way of Jesus is reading the scriptures and being alone with him. That's not an accident. It's because it's one of the most formational things that you can do. And so I don't want us to miss the invitation, but also it won't happen without intentional planning. So, the daily God time plan, not, don't just do that, fill out your God time plan, but then share it with your city group. Honestly, accountability is where it really comes in. You wanna build a habit. One of the best ways is have someone that's waiting for you at the gym. If I've, got, if I've got to meet somebody there, I'm a little more obligated versus going by myself and sleeping in and staying in the warm blankies, right? Like, same thing, if I've got to show up and I told my city group, hey, I'm going to read the scriptures every day. Maddie gave those great stats last week that basically if, if you read the scriptures any less than four days a week, there's like very little formation that happens in your life. But at four days a week, there's like pinnacle formation in someone's life. I was like, how cool is that? And then she also said that you don't have to read the other three days, which I disagree with, but... It's a joke. She, she made the joke. <laughs> she was like, hey, you're off the hook. Four days is the pinnacle of spiritual formation. So there's something to the habit of moving it from discipline to delight. So my encouragement would be, listen, I know it's kind of clunky. The adventure is the Bible. No, the adventure is Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the space that we've had today to be together. It is a joy to, to gather it is a joy to be here with friends and neighbors and strangers that can become family. Man, it's so cool. God, I'm, I'm grateful for the reminder that we're being invited into relationship with you, life with you, that all of this is because you love us. It's not obligation, it's invitation. And so we're so grateful for that. But God, there, there's just parts of us that resist that for all kinds of different reasons. There's competing desires for our hearts. And, and so we just want to come to you today and acknowledge all of that and say, Jesus, my, my heart is just an emotional mixed bag mess and there's all kinds of competing desires. But somewhere deep inside, I, I want this. So Jesus, would you help that desire, that base desire to rise to the surface? And what do we become, people? 
that begin to follow you in a new light. Jesus, I pray as we get into the scriptures this week that we find accountability through our groups, we find encouragement, but also would you speak to us? Would you, would you make it so clear what our hearts, like the scripture said, like burn inside of us as you speak to us? Like, wow, that was just for me. God, would that happen? And would it ignite a passion in us to hear more from you? And from here, God, will we learn to hear your voice in everything else? In creation, through the words of someone else, through a circumstance, through pain? Will we find your voice becoming more and more familiar as we follow you? Jesus, thank you for the invitation on this journey. Help us as a community to step into it together. It's in Jesus' name.